Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Stock Talk. This is a little podcast that I've been putting together over the last while where I like to talk about all things investing, where I get to share with you some of my thoughts, some of my takes, and other people's takes about what's going on in the whole world of stocks and ETFs. The goal here is to give you some insights and perspectives and nuggets of information which will hopefully help you take back to your own personal investing situation and ultimately help you make more successful investment decisions. My name is Amin Reina and I'm an investment coach and founder of Sage Investors. And if you don't know, if this is the first time you've ever heard of the term investment coach, let me fill you in. Uh, what I do as an investment coach is I help people who want to become more financially independent. The problem that a lot of people have on their road to financial independence is and is often when it interacts with the whole investing domain. They often go into investing feeling intimidated, frustrated and confused by the whole process. Uh, I work with people who are brand new to investing but don't know where to start. I've worked with people who have been investing for long periods of time but just are frustrated because their portfolios aren't going anywhere. So what I do ultimately as an investment coach is I teach people, I, I engage with them on how to make more educated and ultimately more successful investment decisions so that they can just improve their chances of getting to some level of financial independence in their life and do it with, do it with some confidence. So for regular listeners of my podcast and regular followers of my blog, uh, you'll know already know that I've been in engaged in a bit of an experiment over the last four and a half years now. Uh, four and a half years ago, I, we saw the emergence of a new type of investing model, investing service, called the robo-advisor service, where essentially you would, there would be just basically a website where you could go online, answer a few questions, and the service, i.e. company, would uh, generate a pre-packaged portfolio for you and would invest your money in creating that portfolio and managing that portfolio for you. The big value proposition that came out was that it was cheaper than having somebody else do it, a person do it, and also by using ETFs, it would be a more efficient way to manage the portfolio, uh, giving you a broader based exposure to stock. So that it came out, you know, four and a half. This was it was the thing we saw the emergency, just hit the hit the marketplace with a bang. Uh, we saw companies like uh, Betterment uh, up here in Canada. We had Well Simple, Nest. Uh, you know, there's a laundry list of, uh, of companies that uh, of the whole fintech regime that came in there offering this kind of offering, trying to disrupt the whole concept of, of uh, portfolio management. Um, at the time, I was there was a lot of buzz and everything going on. But at the time, you know, I was asking a lot of people and I even asked people in the industry, I was like, OK, what's the track record of this? Is this is this a better way to invest? Um, by putting your money with a so-called robot that is going to use algorithms and automatically rebalance your portfolio and create an optimal portfolio that reflects your risk profile? Or is there, are you better off doing it yourself or you're better off having somebody else, a human being, actually manage your money? Nobody could give me a straight answer. Nobody could give me a straight answer on whether this type model is a better way, would yield better performance. Um, nobody wanted to go there. And so uh, to me, I think this was a fundamental question that we need to be, as investors, we wanted to, we should know. If we're going to 
put our park our money somewhere and but nobody wanted to answer it so i took it upon myself to try to answer the questions does these does can you make money using a robo advisor service what is the experience of using this service? How does a robo-advisor service manage money compared to other do-it-yourself or traditional uh, portfolio management uh, services? Uh, how does it work? Let's, like, I wanted to dive in and get some hand because no, there was no information on anything out there. It was very much a black box. So what I did was I took $5,000 of my own money and I invested it in a robo-service. And essentially the goal was to blog or track the experience, document my experience with the service, document how the serve, how the portfolio, how the robo, as I call it, the robo would uh, manage the portfolio, what kind of decisions it made, um, what you know, the costs associated with it, and the performance associated with it. And my total goal was I would do this for, you know, four or five years, to. To get a pretty decent handle on how this service, this model works, and whether it's any good for, is it good or is it really not have any additional value added like they claim that they do. So I picked one service. I didn't really, and I and I, I just put my money into it, and I'm just kind of blogged about my experience with it. So, as I said, it is. I started this about four and a half years ago, and uh, what I've been doing is I've been kind of. Uh, posting updates on the on the portfolio um, twice a year so today is essentially my mid-year review uh, just my mid-year my mid-year update on what's been going on with the portfolio and uh, I just want to share with you some updates about what's happening with it and uh, some of my observations some of my quick takes on it um, if you want, you can also go on my website. I actually have a blog post on this where I go into you know, a whole bunch of if you're interested in charts and, and de more, more details, you can go to my website. But here I'm just gonna kind of give you the highlights of, of, the, uh, of what's been happening with the portfolio. As I said, it took uh, $5,000 I put into it and that was four and a half years ago. And I guess I'll start with, with the performance side of it. So in terms of performance, if we go, now, uh, the snapshot I'm using is July 30th, 2019, as my kind of mid-year review point. So as of July, July 30th, I had in the portfolio, the, the account had $6,328.90. Um, as I said, when I started it, it was $5,000. So I made about $1,300 uh, on the portfolio. So since inception, the portfolio has returned 28.5%. Um, year to date, the portfolio is up 9%, 9.2% since January. Um, since the anniversary date, which is January 30th, the portfolio is uh, actually up only 3.6%. Um, total fees that I've paid into the portfolio, that I've paid out of the portfolio is about $14 or 0.23% of assets. And uh, in terms of dividends, the portfolio has earned about $73 in dividends since January 30th. So. All in all, not bad, pretty decent. Um, so far, so good. It's made money, and uh, you know everything kind of checks off on that side of it. So the performance has been pretty good. One of the things I've I've said also, but that I've also said is in the four and a half years that this I've had this portfolio, the markets have been doing pretty damn awesome. And so, the, uh, one of the things I've said that I th what I wanted to do, and this is why I wanted to do this over a multi-year period, was to see how this portfolio behaves 
in good times, but also see how it behaves in bad times. We had a bit of a snapshot of the bad times last year, and it held up pretty decently. Like uh, it didn't, uh, there wasn't a lot of kind of reactionary decisions that were made or moves that were made or adjustments made in the portfolio. It pretty much just rode the, the wave uh, or the tidal wave of, uh, of downward stock prices last year. And you know, just hold it. it went down a bit, but it, you know, it held its own. Um, so from a performance side of it, seems like things are okay with that. Now, the part I want to share with you really is uh, in terms of the asset allocation. Now, when I set up the portfolio, uh, I answered a bunch of questions, and what came back was that my risk profile skewed towards a more growth-oriented uh, asset allocation, which the, the robo decided would be an 85% into stocks and 15% into bonds. And that is essentially the ratio the portfolio has been following in the whole time that I've had it. Now, within those specific allocations, there's been a lot of changes going on. And one of the things I wanted to find out with this, with this service, with a robo-advisor service, the value proposition they come to us is that you need, is that they are offering a very passive approach to investing that. They essentially put you in a few ETFs and they pretty much stick to it and ride with it um, through thick and thin. Um, in terms of getting the exposure. And over the last couple of years, actually, um, the portfolio has been rather stable. There hasn't been a lot of crazy changes into the portfolio. Um, a couple of years ago, it was a big change in terms of the asset allocation. But since then, um, it's been quite stable. And it's, I was kind of thinking that, you know what, maybe it's now kind of settled into a bit of a groove, and now we're just going to kind of just ride the wave with with the way it's been structured and kind of see what happens. But little did, it, did I know that uh, there was a whole lot of things going on in the portfolio. And sure enough, the, the, the robo actually service actually was telling me about it, but I don't think I was paying attention. They sent me an email a couple of months ago saying we're making some changes in your portfolio, but I didn't really, I didn't think I really caught on to it until one day I actually went through one of my statements and I saw a whole lot of changes, uh, activities, transactions that were going on in the portfolio. And I was going, whoa, what's going on here? And it seemed like it was selling a whole bunch of ETFs and buying a whole bunch of other ETFs. I'm going, whoa, 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 something's going on here. And so I went in and did a little bit of a deeper dive. And sure enough, um, there was a lot of turnover that have, has occurred over the last couple of months in the portfolio. And I wanted to share with you um, that what's happened. Um, one, from one perspective, I want to talk a little bit about the asset allocation side of it. So as I said, 85-15 stocks, bonds, but the allocations within the equity composition have changed quite a bit. More specifically, um, the allocation to U.S. stocks, um, the robo dropped it from 32.5% to 26.5%. The allocation for Canadian equities went down from 22.5% to 10.5%. Uh, the allocation from emerging markets to emerging market stocks increased actually from 10% to 16%. And uh, the allocation to other foreign stocks increased from 15 to 32%. And then finally, the bond allocation remained at 15%, but it was now skewing towards more uh, from a distribution in terms of domestic government bonds and corporate bonds, and it was now incorporating more U.S. bonds in the portfolio component. So a lot of changes in the asset allocation side of it um, that just recently occurred. 
Um, they're pretty dramatic, but actually when I looked at it a little bit, I'm actually, actually am happy with it because one of my little, I guess, critiques of the portfolio over the last year or so has been how incredibly skewed the portfolio has been towards U.S. and Canadian stocks. Like before this adjustment, almost 55% of the equity component was in Canadian U.S. stocks, which I thought was really high. And it, there seemed to be the robo was kind of putting out a lot of geographic bias in their in their in their allocation. And uh, you know, I, what I what would worry me is with such a high allocation, if there was such issues that are happening in the North American stock markets, um, this thing would take a hit. So it's I'm kind of glad to see that the robo has kind of spread out the allocation or diversified the allocation a little bit more evenly. Now, you know, 26% U.S., 10% Canadian, I think that's pretty reasonable. Um, I think having more exposure to foreign stocks, I think it just gives a little bit more even distribution to, to, the, to the allocation. Um, and the bond stuff, which I'll talk about in a sec, um, you know, they've kept the, port, they've kept the ratio at 15%. Um, but I'll get into a little bit about the bonds because there's a fair amount of changes with the uh, bond component. So a lot of changes in the asset allocation side of it, but uh, I think these were necessary because um, I think it was getting too top heavy in terms of Canadian and U.S. And so by spreading it out a little bit, I think it's a little bit more from a risk perspective, I think a little bit more palatable, at least from me, from my perspective. Um, the only thing I would wonder is what really, you know, what took so long. It's been kind of in this ratio, that heavy U.S.-Canadian ratio for a good year. And it's been a good move because if you look at the returns on those components, they've been really solid. Um, so in that sense, pretty good move. It was pretty much a good move by the robo uh, uh, in terms of overweighting the U.S.-Canadian side of it. And now it's kind of underweighting it a bit. Um, seems like a good move. The question I have, though, is... Is that what it should be doing? Uh, remember, the value proposition of these robo-advisory services was all about, all about passive investing, low-cost passive investing, where you set an allocation, put it into some very generic low-cost ETFs, and you kind of just ride it with it, and then you know, rebalance where you need to. And uh, I just find it really interesting that it seems like the portfolio, especially the equity component, has been quite actively managed rather than passively managed. So that's an observation I have. I'm not ready to pronounce judgment on it, but uh, I'm just sharing with you what I'm seeing and what's happening with my portfolio. So that's the asset allocation side of it. The other side is also the product side of it. There's been a lot of turnover or rotation into out of specific ETFs into different ETFs. So on the bond side, um, the, 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 the robo sold the... Uh, the BMO Mid-Federal Bond Index ETF and ended up buying the McKenzie U.S. Government Bond ETF, the Q-tips. It sold also shares in the iShares Core Canadian Bond ETF and ended up buying the BMO Long Federal Bond ETF, CFL. A lot of tinkering going on here. Um, I'm really kind of, I'm wondering what this is all about. Um, it seems like the, the robo has made a decision that they want to kind of diversify a little bit into more U.S.-oriented bonds, U.S. government bonds. And more specifically, it seems like they're getting into like more spe specialized kind of bonds, like inflation-protected bonds, the TIPS, um, with the McKenzie product. Um, 
why are they going so specialized? Again, the value proposition is just having a broad diversification of, of you know, basic, stable um, bonds. And it seems like it's trying to kind of finesse its way into trying to generate some kind of alpha on it. Like essentially the, the value proposition is we just want exposure to what the bond market is doing and, and take what the bond market is. Like we don't want to try and outperform the bond market or try to perform stocks outperform stocks. That's not the whole premise of their business model of robo-advisors. But it seems like in the bond component that they're taking a very active kind of approach. This is not the first time, like there's been a lot of rotation in various products in the bond component here. And again, it just makes me wonder, okay, what is the goal here? What are they trying to go accomplish with it? So that's the bond component. The foreign equity component, as I said, they doubled the, they basically doubled their weighting to foreign equity uh, to 32%. So a third of the portfolio is now holding and more, is more, you know, holding more foreign based equities. Um, and what they did actually is they broke it down into, you know, basically they had one ETF that did that, the iShares Core uh, EAFI uh, ETF, which is a very simple, generic, simple global based ETF. But they broke it down and instead have broken it down into two separate ETFs, the iShares Core uh, EAFI uh, index, uh, index ETF and the iShares MCSCI Low Volatility Global ETF, ACWV is the ticker symbol if you're interested. <sighs> to me, I, 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 I don't get it. <laughs> Um, why is it, it seems like it's just trying to kind of nibble around the margins and trying to get more to get the portfolio more exposed to more sophisticated. And to me, it seems like a more actively managed uh, type of ETFs. Um, the big difference is the XEF, which is the new one, is the same as the old IEFA ETF, except this one is now currency hedged. Um, and so because of that, it's carrying a little bit of a higher cost. Um, so now the portfolio is now looking at hedging. There's hedging strategies now being incorporated in this portfolio. It's different schools of thought whether hedging your currency exposure, currency risk is worth it. Some people say it is. Some people say it isn't. Um, different schools of thought. But in this case, Robo has made this Robo has made a decision to to currency hedge, um, and then it's also made a decision to get into a low volatility global ETF. Um, low volatility ETFs have been quite popular and been quite the thing in the industry of the last couple of years. Been the highest selling ETFs out there have been the low volatility type products. So Robo has looks like it's jumped on the bandwagon and is trying to uh, attempt to lower the volatility uh, base of the portfolio. Um, again, jury's still out whether this is. Uh, a smart thing to do. To me, I thought they were in the right idea. Just having the uh, IEFA was just perfect. It was just a simple, straightforward, broad-based, globally diversified portfolio at a low cost. So the fact they're kind of tinkering on the edges is a little bit funny on that side of me. Um, same thing with the emerging markets. They sold out the IEMG uh, ETF, the iShares IEMG. Again, simple, low-cost ETF, and then adopted, bought instead, a iShares Core MSCI Emerging Low Volatility ETF. Again, same principle. Now, they took it from a very simple managed portfolio to something which a more specialized strategy. Again, um, 
and it's coming in at a higher cost. The MER for this new EEMF is 0.68%. Granted, they have a discount or got some sort of deal with the vendor to take the, uh, to take the MER down to 0.25% until 2023. So I'm wondering when they get to 2023, are they going to sell this ETF and then buy like the next other best thing that's out there? But again, wondering why the robo is deciding to adopt these specialized, strategic, actively managed kind of ETFs out there. And so, so those were so that's a lot of changes um, in this portfolio. And so, this is the third real significant rotation of or recalibration, I guess. Um, to me, this isn't a rebalancing. This is a recalibration. This is a re, re a redo of the portfolio. You know, it's shifting the allocate, readjusting the allocate, recalibrating the asset allocation weightings, but it's also rotating out of what I think are passive, more passively low-cost ETFs into things that are more specialized and really on the fringe of being actively managed. And so again, it doesn't exactly jive with the whole value proposition of, the ETF, of this robo-advisor model. And I think it's important that you all know this. Um, again, I'm just using this particular, as I said, I'm not, I'm not even gonna, the goal of this exercise is not to call out and slam a specific robo-advisor service. The goal is to just show you the experience and show you how these things work and how these are things are managed so you can basically frame a better decision of whether this type of service is applicable for you um, if you're okay with this kind of service if you're looking to uh, outsource your decision making your investment decision making to a robo advisor service or a financial advisor or do it yourself i'm just putting it out there these are things that are going this is what you get <laughs> if you go get into these kind of uh, models, these service models that are out there. So those are the changes. Those are, that's my kind of my update. Uh, so we're here at the four and a half year mark. The next time I'll jump in, I'll check in another six months and that'll be the five year mark. And uh, that'll probably be, I will probably be ready at that point to really kind of put down some hard takes, some hot stock opinions about the whole robo-advisor service. So stay tuned, I'll see you in like six months and I'll probably have some really hard takes um, about the whole experience uh, of the service. If you have any questions about this uh, episode or the whole concept of robo-advisors and wanna run it by me, uh, feel free to reach out to me on my website, sageinvestors.ca. You can drop an email through there. You can also find me on Twitter. My handle is at sageinvestors. You can I'm on there all the time tweeting uh, my observations about what's going on in the markets uh, in terms of stocks and ETFs, sharing other amazing content from some other people with great insights into the whole investing domain. Um, so feel free to follow me on uh, Twitter. I'm on Facebook too. I have a uh, Facebook page, uh, Sage Investors. You can follow me through there. If you're interested also, I do publish a or send out a, a, a weekly email blast I call it In The Loop, where I share any new content that I have posted on my website in terms of videos, podcasts, mind map videos, blogs, um, as well as also sharing with you uh, in the email. I uh, post some links and stuff to other websites, other people who I think really know their investing thing really well and have some amazing content that they're doing and content that I use to frame my own investment decisions. So you can, uh, if you're interested, just go to my website, sageinvestors.ca, drop me an email address, and boom, you'll be in. 
I usually send them out every Wednesday morning. So, and oh yeah, if you're also interested in learning about investing in stocks and ETFs from a long-term perspective, not a day trading perspective, um, as well as any of my coaching services, as I said, my, my goal here is to help people build their investing competencies so that they can make better investment decisions and be more successful at it. And so if you're interested in learning about more about my coaching programs, as well as my uh, courses that I teach, I teach courses online, uh, I have online courses. I also teach courses live online as well. And I also do one-on-one -on -one teaching sessions too. If you're interested, you can just uh, check, those, check them out on my website, sageinvestors.ca. That's all I got for you this week. Thanks very much for listening in. This has been another episode of Stock Talk. My name is Amanina at Sage Investors, and we'll catch you again another time. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.